It's a great day in South Carolina. Welcome to Current Situation, your weekly political pulse. I'm your host, Joshua Gale, alongside South Carolina State House Representative Jordan Pace. Every week, our goal is to help you navigate the complex world of politics through a biblically conservative lens. Today, our conversation revolves around the upcoming South Carolina Republican primary and how God anointed King Cyrus to lead Israel into the direction of repentance. Good evening, Jordan. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, Josh. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Before we jump in tonight, we'll have a word from our sponsor, First Class Painting and Restoration. Your home is more than just a place. It's your pride, your sanctuary. Its exterior is the first impression it gives to the world in a shield that protects you from the elements. But over time, weather and wear can dull its shine and compromise its safety. That's where we come in. At First Class Painting and Restoration, we bring your property back to life with our premium painting services. Using state-of-the-art tools and techniques, we deliver exceptional results on time and within budget. As a local award-winning company with over 15 years of experience, we're known for our family reputation and unique culture. We're not just painters, we're craftsmen who care about our community and the people we serve. We're committed to bettering our customers, employees, and community through the fun trade of painting. So choose First Class Painting and Restoration and experience the difference of a company that cares. Because making your house feel like home is our first class service. Welcome back. Welcome back. On this episode, we're going to discuss the upcoming presidential Republican primary, which is on February 24th. Jordan, can you tell us a little bit about that Republican primary and what are the other upcoming elections here in South Carolina this year? Sure. So February 24th, uh, we have the Republican presidential primary. It's the first in the South uh, between uh, President Donald Trump and former Governor Nikki Haley. And uh, it is shaping up to be an interesting uh, race there. Uh, after the presidential primary uh, in June, so the, the second Tuesday in June, we'll have the rest of the primaries for basically everything else in the state. So uh, Congress, State Senate, State House, even down to candidate council, if you have primary races, so uh, Republican versus Republican or, or Democrat versus Democrat to determine who will be on the ballot in November. That'll be decided in June for basically everything except for the president. Uh, in August, if you have school board races in your area, they'll file in August. And then come November, we'll have everything from president, all the state races, president, Congress, state house, state Senate, county council and school board. And you may have more even on the local level, depending on where you are. Awesome. Awesome. Jordan, there is a growing sentiment that our nation is not in order, particularly in terms of the border debt, uh, our increasing debt, crime rates, uh, mm -hmm. job availability. Can you elaborate on these issues and how they're impacting the average American and, and really what decision needs to be made here during these primaries um, that's going to be really impactful for the future of our nation. Sure. I mean, all, all of these things are very important. Uh, just today, the Congressional, Buff Congressional Budget Office, which is a nonpartisan uh, organization, released a uh, their, their, their best estimate for the number of 
illegal or undocumented, whatever term you want to use, uh, migrants that have come over the border in the last three years, their estimate is 6.2 million. That is more people than live in the entire state of South Carolina have crossed the border without papers, without any documentation in the last three years. This is an unprecedented number. Uh, and and these, this, this isn't the stereotype of like folks in Mexico trying to come over and get work. Uh, the vast majority of these seem to be from Central and South America, from places like Haiti, and even a huge and increasing number from China, believe it or not, uh, are, are making their way across the border. A lot from a lot from the Middle East. They'll go to uh, to South America or Central America first, and then make their way up in these caravans. And a huge number of these folks are uh, what are classified as military-aged males. So this isn't you know, a mom and dad and their family and little kids for the most part coming over. Uh, it, it is something to be concerned about uh, in a, a lot of different ways. On some of those other points, uh, I'm sure everybody that's been to a Walmart or a Target or a, or a CVS pharmacy, places like that, have noticed there's been a lot of things uh, locked up on the shelves where you have to go find an associate to come and unlock it. Uh, whether it's razor blades or uh, shampoo, depends where you are. Uh, a lot of that is because theft has become so prevalent uh, in, in these stores and contributing to uh, inflation on on the retail end is these stores have to make it loss uh, from theft. On the other end of inflation, we have the federal government continues to spend and spend and spend on borrowed money that they're essentially just printing. Uh, we went over the 34 billion, excuse me, 34 trillion with a T uh, in debt uh, just a few weeks ago. And now uh, with current interest rates, the, the U.S. government spends more on debt service payments. So just the interest on our debt is more than we spend on the military every year. Uh, I used to work for Congressman Sanford when he was in Congress and he would, this is 10, 12 years ago, he would he was warning about this very thing 10 to 12 years ago, that if we don't change our spending habits, then this is the situation we're going to be in. So we have all these things at home that are not going well. Um, on, on, a, on a foreign front, um, the kind of the traditional adversaries in the United States don't seem to be taking us as seriously as they used to for a number of reasons, uh, whether it was the, the kind of botched withdrawal of F, uh, from Afghanistan where we left millions of uh, dollars, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars in military equipment there. I mean, like Black Hawk helicopters, uh, all kinds of vehicles and weapons just there for the Taliban to take. Uh, issues in Ukraine things that you know, Taiwan and China, the, like I said, our house does not seem to be in order. So what we're looking at in, the, in February and just about a month from today here in South Carolina is a choice between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Uh, I have met Nikki Haley several times. I've been involved in South Carolina politics for a long time. And a good chunk of that was when she was governor. And to her credit, when she was in the House, she did 
a good thing in getting on the record voting accomplished. And, and I will show anybody that and give her the credit all day for, for accomplishing that and helping us get recorded votes on every vote. When she was governor, I, I, I can't brag on that as much. Um, she had a pretty consistent pattern of giving a whole heck of a lot of money, the South Carolina tax money, to Chinese corporations and really singing their praises. Uh, that, that is, the, the Chinese corp corporations are, it's not like here in America where most companies are not associated with the government. To operate a corporation in China, you have to have a Communist Party representative as part of your corporate structure. And their job is to go and inform uh, on the, on, to the Communist Party one wing to a wing of the Communist Party, what exactly your business is doing. And that includes its operations overseas. So uh, that, that pattern, um, a lot of those businesses were what I were not what I would call successful. Uh, they didn't hire the number of people they were supposed to hire or do the investment they were supposed to. Uh, she campaigned on real on her reelection uh, tour in 2014 against raising the gas tax. She was that that was the correct move. Our we have a, a structural problem with DOT, which we still haven't figured out. Not a spending problem. We have lots of money. We have surpluses every year for the last 12 years. Uh, but she campaigned on we don't need to raise the gas tax, and within I don't know a week of being reelected. She went to legislative leadership and said, we need a gas tax. Let's, how much, how much can we get? 15 cent, 20 cent. We wound up with a 16 cent gas tax hike. It's the largest, it's the largest single tax hike in state history. And, and after um, nearly 10 years of collecting those, those taxes, hundreds of millions of dollars, the majority of what's been collected is just sitting in an account doing nothing. Um, so I say all that saying, uh, from her record in the governor's mansion, I, I don't think that Nikki Haley is necessarily the, the one carrying the, the water to help us put our, our house in order. Uh, honestly, the most disturbing thing really came after is when she, when she left her role in the UN, she was basically broke. Uh, her, her house and her parents' house were nearly uh, repossessed. I mean, they, they were looking at bankruptcy then as part of this process, uh, she got a seat on Boeing's board, a very well-paying seat on their board. She wound up starting a defense contracting company and uh, all of a sudden she lives on Kiowa Island in a multi-million dollar house. And she sold her parents right next door. Uh, so uh, along with that journey toward uh, I guess, financial solvency, she really started amping up the uh, war hawk, warmongering rhetoric. Yeah. Essentially the same kind of stuff uh, from the kind of McCain-Bush era where we need, the, from her perspective, it seems like when the United States needs to be the world's policeman. We need to be involved everywhere, which is seems to be the same thing Biden has been doing, stretching us very, very thin with the military at its lowest personnel level since before World War One. I. I mean, we are in legitimately the, the most dire recruiting crisis 
in U.S. military history in the last century when we absolutely cannot afford on a personnel level or a financial level to be going into Yemen or Syria or Iraq. Just today, apparently we bombed somewhere in Iraq. Uh, Nikki Haley would not be a material change from that from the foreign policy that we see today with Biden in the White House. Uh, so all that to say, I don't plan to vote for Nikki Haley in the presidential primary for that long list of reasons. Uh, yeah. Which leaves you with? Which leaves me with uh, the other option is Donald Trump. Uh, before we go into that, I, I, I think I think we could classify Donald Trump as being the most famous person on the planet. Uh, by this point, I would agree with that. If we go back about 2,500 years in the past, uh, there's a, a Persian king named Cyrus. And we know he exists from extra biblical text and uh, from within the Bible. He's referenced in Second Chronicles and Ezra, um, Nehemiah. Like there's several references to Cyrus uh, in the Bible. Cyrus was the king of Persia. Now, our listeners might be thinking, what in the heck? This is taking a weird turn. It'll make sense. Just hang with me. Hang with us uh, for just a second. To give some context what had happened, uh, the, the people of Judah, the kingdom of Judah, had, had a pattern of rebelling against God. They would rebel, worship false idols, uh, not follow God's commands, occasionally repent like God would send a prophet or a good king to help them. They'd repent, be good for a while, and then fall right back into it. Repeat the process over and over and over again. Uh, the northern kingdom of Israel got just annihilated by the Assyrians for doing the same thing. They didn't learn from their example, kept doing this pattern, and eventually God says, uh, that's it. You're, you're going into exile. And these, uh, the Babylonians came in, conquered them, destroyed Israel, excuse me, destroyed Judah and Jerusalem, looted the temple, desecrated the temple, took everything out of it, and then took uh, kind of the, the cream of the crop of the people of Israel back to Babylon, to their capital. This is where, if our listeners know the stories about Daniel in the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like this is that time frame. The Babylonians were were rough. This is the Neo-Babylonians, uh, sometimes called the Chaldeans. They were some scary individuals. We're talking like mounds of skulls outside of cities when they conquered them. Uh, they worshipped what we would rightfully call demons, uh, gods like Marduk and Tiamat, and just rough, rough stuff. Well, because they did these things, um, even though they were agents of God's discipline on Israel, they were still in great sin by doing all this stuff, all these bad things. God used this guy named Cyrus, who was king of the Medes and Persians, which is an empire kind of to the, to the east of Babylon. He uh, comes in, they wreck the Babylonians. Cyrus basically takes over their whole empire all the way to Egypt, conquers Egypt. And this is... Where we encounter Cyrus is in Second Chronicles and in Isaiah 45, where it says that God anointed or ordained um, Cyrus 
to come in and do this stuff. Basically made the way level for Cyrus. Cyrus was not a believer. So here's, here's where we're getting with this. Cyrus was a, a Zoroastrian. He worshipped a fire god named Ahura Mazda. Uh, he was not, he, he recognized, according to the scripture, like he recognized that God exists because he calls on the name of Yahweh, like the Lord of heaven, and, and sends the people of Israel back to Jerusalem. Uh, they, it, the Persians had a, a policy of religious tolerance. They did not force their conquered peoples to worship their gods, to, to conform to their, to their ways like the Babylonians did. So they sent the people of Israel back, and this basically pointed them back toward this, uh, this redemption process. So they go in, the, the people of Israel, the, the Jews, the Jew, uh, folks from Judah, have spent this time in exile as a, as a form of discipline. God's disciplining them, teaching them, hey, here's what you did wrong. Um, they repent from that while in exile, and then Cyrus allows them to keep going in that repentance, literally turning back. I mean, we're talking about the literal repentance here to Jerusalem. The whole book of Ezra is about rebuilding the temple. Cyrus recognizes who God is, that the, the stuff that was taken from the temple should not have been, and they take all that back to the temple and restore it. Then we get to the book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah gets sent back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Basically, these two books are books of repentance and rebuilding. So God ordained Cyrus to punish the wicked and to reward the good, which is what we see in Romans 13. Paul talks about what government is supposed to be, to, re to reward the good, reward God-honoring repentance, and punish the wicked. In this case, it was the Babylonians and a whole bunch of other pagan nations that he conquered too. Uh, Cyrus had his flaws. The Persians had their flaws. They weren't nearly as bad as the Babylonians in their brutality and their, their, their paganness and things like that. Um, but they certainly weren't following the law of God, uh, as, we've, as we see in the Bible. Um, but God still used Cyrus to accomplish his purposes and point his people back toward restoration and, and repentance. So what does that have to do with the presidential primary? Some folks may know that Donald Trump is a fairly flawed individual. Uh, not someone that probably should be leading a church, not someone I would probably vote for to be an elder. Like if, if he was the elder of a church or a pastor of a church, I wouldn't go to that church. Uh, but what do we know from his, we know his flaws. Um, the, the kind of the picture here is our house is on fire as a society and as a country. And when the house is on fire, if the guy carrying water with you to put the house out, like if he's got buckets of water, you want to be happy and, and, and keep working with the guy who's willing to help you put the fire out. Whether that fire is mass illegal border crossings, 
the risk of open war with nuclear powers in Europe or in East Asia. Uh, name the list. Uh, it seems to me that Trump's on these big fire issues, that the house is on fire type issues, seems to be good. He has his flaws. I've had very serious disagreements with him on several policy issues, whether it had to do with COVID stuff or some Second Amendment things or just his the way he personally interacts with folks, and especially in his past. Um, but the house is on fire, and he seems to be wanting to put the house fire out. From my estimation, all of Nikki Haley's policies and the, and the folks that are pushing her, both with money and open support, I mean, we're talking tens of millions of dollars have been spent by organizations and uh, kind of the moneyed interest, whether they be the military industrial complex or things associated with that. It seems to me that Nikki Haley is carrying gasoline and not water. And it's gasoline that, that is taxed much higher in South Carolina because of her. And that's what she's aiming to throw on the house and not the water. Um, so that that's kind of my reasoning for what I'm going to do in, in February. Uh, given those two binary choices. Yes. So what, what Jordan's speaking here is, is some um, discernment, you know, for what is needed in the times that are ahead, the times that we're in the current situation of our nation and what's to come. And, you know, we certainly believe that Donald Trump has the marks of a, of a, of a leader that has the ability to put out, put out the fire that we're in. Um, and, um, if you've got that discernment, go ahead. Well, I was going to say this. If you keep reading in Isaiah 45, uh, the first part of Isaiah 45 talks about how God ordained Cyrus to do these things. He made his way straight and he accomplished these things. But the rest of Isaiah 45 talks about how God is Israel's only savior. Yes. Um, so there, there is that trap too, that a lot of folks have fallen into thinking like Trump is their savior. He can save us. He can't right. save us. He can help us put the fires out uh, by not throwing more gasoline on there. And I, I, and I think that's what's going to happen um, should he win. But he's definitely not going to save us. Uh, it's going to be, if anyone saves us, it's going to be God. And it's going to be God through working through flawed individuals, whether it be him or us. Um, I think that's how we've seen God really accomplish the the amazing things that he's accomplished in civil society is through the church, uh, through the, the body of the church and living out, uh, the gospel. So Jordan, you know, really for the folks out there that, that just feel this deep conviction that because of Donald Trump's past or, um, that, that he is a flawed individual, like we all are, that personal, their personal conviction would keep them from voting for Donald Trump. What, what is your message? You know, for people that that train to fall. Sure. Listen, if somebody's personally convicted that they can't vote for him for legitimate reasons like that, then that's their personal conviction. And and we see multiple times in in, the, in scripture, particularly in the New Testament, uh, it says don't. You know, it would be it would be a sin for them to violate their conscience that way. But that's not everyone. Uh, certainly, if, if if it's something you should, it's something they should wrestle with. They should pray about. They should read scripture, be familiar with scripture. Uh, there are numerous 
not just Cyrus, but I mean, David was highly flawed. Solomon was highly flawed. Uh, we see leaders who are generally, uh, I mean, the entire book of Judges are very flawed individuals that God uses to accomplish his, his ends. And they're not deified, they're not worshipped, and they shouldn't be. I mean, that's at all. Uh, but I would, I would ask them to look at the alternatives. In this situation, for, for next month's presidential primary here in South Carolina, it is a binary choice of Trump versus Haley. Trump didn't get us. He was the first president in, I think, 40 years, basically since Jimmy Carter, to not get us involved, to get the United States involved in a new conflict overseas. Uh, that's a good thing. Um, the The numbers of illegal uh, border crossings went down for the first time in a long time. The spending issues, well, I mean, that's something we need to work on and we need to press Congress on that too. But the, the things that the president is directly responsible for were better uh, than they are now. And from my estimation, uh, given the choice of him and Haley, Haley would make those things worse, if not exactly the same as they are today under the Biden administration. Uh, so look at the policy differences. Personalities are personalities. Uh, but try to look at the policy as best you can. And, and, and I'd repeat that. If you're, if you're still personally convicted that you can't vote for either, either one of them, then don't violate your conscience. But would you hold every single other person that you ever met who's in elected office or anywhere that you interact with, if we're going to boycott every single person because of their flawed you know, nature, um, we wouldn't have anybody anywhere. Um, you know, we're all essentially flawed. Yeah. It just happens to be under a microscope when others may be under a telescope. Um, but I, I also personally believe um, Donald holds the 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 marks of a of a of a president of the times where we are currently in the current situation of this nation and where we're headed um, shortly. Um, and so um, and we, talk, wrap we talked about that Go ahead. last week. We talked about that last week where leaders often reflect the societies that they that they lead. Um, so if folks feel that same that conviction, like oh, I can't vote for him, like okay, well, how are you supporting uh, folks on a local level, local offices or uh, state offices? Let's let's get more better quality folks in into those places. Uh, kind of because some of them naturally are going to matriculate up and run for those federal offices and things in the future. Uh, and what are you doing? What are we doing on a on a societal level, on a church level, to discipline others and and train others up in the way of scripture, to produce more options, like right, to to build that up for the future. Uh, that would be my question for all of us to answer. That's a great that's a great statement, Jordan. I love it. Goodness, said it better myself. We will not always get into the national politics, but it's this is what involves us coming up here on February 24th. We have some. Uh, important decisions to make and we have some other really important races here in South Carolina coming up that we're going to inform you on um, and it's and it's for the future of this state and this nation um, so stay tuned stay engaged with what we're going to share uh, about what's going around in South Carolina and uh, thanks for tuning in and we'll look we look forward to uh, sharing more with you next week <laughs>